Coming up on Studios America, the media has once again latched on to the shooting of a black suspect by a white police officer. But is racism in this particular case the right label to throw around? I'll speak with journalist Jason Whitlock about that and his recent uh, censorship on Twitter. That will be interesting. And a big promise from Uncle Joe. Uh, I'm so excited. He says all troops are going to be out of Afghanistan by September 11th of this year. We'll take a look at the feasibility of such a plan. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Did you know you can watch and stream this show completely free? Share it. All the things. Uh, go to my Instagram page at Studios America and click the link in my bio. It'll take you to all the platforms you can stream us on or watch this show and a ton of great others uh, with your own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew. Why? Because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Another police-involved shooting in Minnesota has the mainstream media hitting the big red racism button on their keyboard. But was that really the case with Dante Wright? We'll get to the truth and do manufacture racism. Stu does America. <sighs> Here we are again. So let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Is it possible, possible, for a police officer to kill an African-American and it not be because of racism? Racism, not the cause. Is that a possible scenario? Could it happen? I mean, I think if you the Ibram Kendi's of the world, you'd say no, right? It can't happen. This is a sort of a uh, systemic racism problem with the police. And no matter what happens, it's always racism. That might be your view. And I don't know that I can talk anybody out of that view because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everything is racist. Uh, so what do you do? <laughs> Just uh, There's no other answer to anything. But if you want to look at the facts of a case, this might be the ultimate test of the question. Is it possible? for police to kill an African-American and racism not be the cause. I'm going to start off with the video. Uh, this is the uh, video from the incident. And I want to keep you aware that this is obviously, we're talking about a killing here, so this is not pleasant video, though it's not overly graphic. See, an, uh, uh, an officer who is uh, handcuffing right, he's got his hands behind him, he's warning him not to go, he's signaling he might try to run for it, get into the car, he does, he runs for it. Uh, gets in the car. Um, the police officer says taser multiple times while pointing his gun or her gun at him. Shoots the gun. She says, holy crap. She's like, I shot him. He drives away. Now, of course, we know the result of this uh, situation here, which is incredibly negative. Um, and I'm going to show it to you one more time here, just so you can kind of get the real sense. One more time. Here's the video. Um, again, this, the interaction seems to be going okay. The officer, you'll note here, by the way, not really mentioned all that often, the officer African-American. The interaction seems to be going perfectly fine. He, the African-American officer is warning him not to go make a run for it. He does make a run for it. He gets in the car. She says, tase you. Taser, taser, taser. I mean, so taser, 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 right? To warn the other officers, get your hands off of there because I'm going to fire the taser. And then, of course, instead she fires the gun. Um, the Minnesota officer, uh, her name Kim Potter, which has oddly been released. I mean, I, a lot of people are making this big thing about the Ashley Babbitt uh, shooting online. This has been a big thing from conservatives mentioning uh, Ashley Babbitt's name because she was, uh, of course, shot in the Capitol 
uh, situation. Uh, and we know Kim Potter is the officer who is in this particular killing. We still don't know who the officer was in the Capitol. Now, I don't go as far as to say, oh, well, that wasn't justified. I think it was totally justified, honestly. She was doing something she should not have been doing, and I don't, I don't hold the officer responsible uh, in a negative way for that particular death in the Capitol. Uh, but it is odd we don't know that officer's name. I guess there's just no outcry for it. There's no big organization. There's no big riots. There's no big rallies going on about it. So that uh, maybe that information doesn't come out. I don't know what the situation is. It is strange though, that we know Kim Potter's name the next day or a couple days later. Um, so the, the excuse here, and you heard her in the video say it quite clearly, uh, that she says taser, taser, taser. She seems to believe she has her taser in her hand. This is, and I, I don't want to undersell it here, an incomprehensible mistake. It is, it's incomprehensible. Uh, now, of course, you can look and find, you, you can see the actual other officer's taser, which is bright yellow, uh, and uh, it doesn't exactly feel exactly like the gun, doesn't exactly look like the gun. It is an incomprehensible mistake, and I believe a mistake that Officer Potter is absolutely crushed by today. I do not think it was intentional. I think it would be a very strange scenario to think that, but we'll get into that here in a couple of minutes. That being said, you can't have a police officer who can make that mistake. And that is, it's such a terrible mistake that at times, you know, you make mistakes, you, your intent may or may not be there, but the a mistake just by itself is bad enough. Uh, the officer um, who uh, used the gun instead of the taser has now resigned. Officer Kim Pot Potter has resigned. Also, police chief Tim Gannon has resigned. Now, he had nothing, he wasn't there. The only thing he did is a press conference saying what happened in the incident. Uh, he's resigned too. Now, I gotta say, if I'm in the middle of this firestorm, I might wanna resign myself and just get the hell out of there because I don't know if there's any positive of staying in office uh, or staying uh, as a public face of something like this, at least for your own self, unless you're just sitting there with your duty uh, you know, first and just saying you're gonna push through it. To me, I wouldn't want anything to do with it, but I'm a wuss, you know? That's why I have this stupid job, right? I, I, don't, I don't know how to do any real work or I'd do it. But instead, I just sit here behind this dumb desk. Um, it's, it's fascinating to kind of see where this has gone already. And you kind of wonder why it happened. Why did this all occur? Two huge mistakes happened. One incomprehensible mistake we just talked about. The mistake of using the gun instead of the taser. That just, you can't have somebody who has, uh, who's in law enforcement that could make a mistake like that. You make one mistake like that, I'm sorry. I mean, you can't. You can no longer be on a patrol. I mean, you can't be in that position if you make a mistake like that. But no one's talking about the other incomprehensible mistake that you saw in that video. The mistake where Wright himself, who is about to be handcuffed by an African-American officer, decides to just d dart and get in the car and try to drive away. This is also an incomprehensible mistake. Now, we know now that Wright had a couple of warrants against him. We have, um, do we have the details on that? Here we go. Court records indicate that a judge issued a warrant for Mr. Wright earlier this month after he missed a court appearance. He was facing two misdemeanor charges after the Minneapolis police said he had carried a pistol without a permit and it ran from uh, officers last June. Now, you can tell, and there's, pr there's a, I would say, a likelihood that the officers knew about his previous uh, attempts to run away as he's sort of warning Wright, don't get in the car, don't do it, don't run, don't do it. But to, this is, 
it's just not something you can do. You can, and that does not mean that the uh, the officer is is cleared of all of her, um, uh, you know, wrongdoing in this situation. I mean, this is a really bad mistake, but it's also a really bad mistake by Wright, and and it's an intentional one on Wright's behalf. He's trying to get away. You know, it's so interesting how we look at these things as a society. There is this total lack of personal responsibility when it comes uh, to uh, these scenarios as they play out in public. Uh, you know, look, the officer uh, has resigned, is apparently taking some responsibility for what's happened. It's an incomprehensible mistake. But we also have to acknowledge that it's just not okay while you're being handcuffed to dart into a car and try to get away. That does not mean he should have been shot. In fact, even the officer would tell you uh, that he shouldn't have been shot. You know, we, we keep hearing these uh, headlines where they'll say, well, yet another unjustified uh, shooting of a black man by police. In this case, that's a great, I mean, look, it's, it's a great summary of the story. It was not justified. Uh, in fact, the officer herself would tell you it wasn't justified. She wasn't trying to do it. Um, but we have to take some responsibility. I want to tell you how far we've come. This, is, this, uh, this sketch from uh, Chris Rock was making the rounds a little bit uh, today on the interwebs. And it kind of gives you a different perspective of where we were. Obey the law. Use common sense. Stop immediately. Turn that shit off. Be polite. Shut the fuck up. Get a white friend. And last but not least, don't ride with a mad woman. If you follow these simple pointers, you probably won't get your ass kicked by the police. <laughs> now look, he's, it's obviously comedy. But I mean, it is a totally different world. Chris Rock gets canceled for that sketch today, does he not? You're not allowed to say that it's okay. Uh, to, to, to not uh, do those things. You have to be able to do, apparently, whatever you want. Look, the police have a role here. And it is really, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. You hear often this concept of um, there's a difference between African-Americans and white people. African-Americans have to have this conversation with their kids, the talk, where they explain that you have to be respectful to police and you better keep your hands at 10 and 2 and you better talk calmly. You know, that's a conversation that all parents need to have. Not just African-Americans, all parents need to have it. Now, it, the, 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 the sort of assumptions tied to that talk are really important. You know, if you're coming into that talk and saying, look, you need to be respectful from officers because they probably will kill you if you do anything wrong, that's a different conversation than the one I might have with my kids, which I have had with my kids. If ever you would get pulled over by an officer, you're nothing but respectful. You understand that they are, they don't understand whether you're going to be uh, aggressive or dangerous. You have to be respectful. That does not mean by any means that uh, all cops are wonderful and they always do the right thing. It's, it's provably false. But the idea that you go into these uh, interactions with this predisposition that this officer might end your life it's a terrible way to start an interaction, and it leads to really bad things. Here, for example, you, you, there was an outstanding warrant. Now, I don't understand why you'd want to run uh, for, from a warrant like this. Obviously, no one wants to go to prison, but you're risking your life quite clearly. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing that this went down in the middle of the Chauvin trial, which, again, has maybe a closer tie uh, to potential racism, though we don't, you know, we frankly don't know why that, was, that, just, that happened. We just know it was wrong. Um, and they're going to go through this as we kind of go forward. 
we also have this idea of, you know, we have ever, all the celebrities are chiming in now. Barack Obama came out, made a conversation, said, or made a comment saying, a reminder of just how badly we need to reimagine policing. That's such a worthless comment. I don't even know what to say about it. Uh, this is, it's not, I mean, again, is there a possibility of one of these shootings not being racist? You have a female cop working with an African-American cop. The female cop clearly signals uh, that she thinks she's using her taser. Uh, she does not use her taser. But like, why would we think that there's racism involved in that? Unless, again, you believe this sort of Ibram Kendi constant racism theory. Um, let me show you what, el- what happened um, at, I mean, because what, what better way to say I don't like the racist policies of the police than, of course, getting free shoes. Uh, there's looting going on, of course, in hey, Minnesota. And I don't, I don't understand how this is justified. It's not. You know, this is the sort of standard response, you know, we've come to expect from incidents like this. And it's, it's totally disrespectful to the victim. It's res- disrespectful to Africans, African-Americans in general, to people of this community. Uh, it, none of it makes any sense. I mean, think about the scenario that would have to be true for this to be racism. What she, you know, uh, this woman who uh, pulls someone over and then has to wait, I guess, for an African-American to run. And then she slyly pulls out the wrong weapon, says the other weapon multiple times, then fires and immediately shows remorse afterwards. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up in this particular case. That does not mean there isn't racism. There, of course, is. It's, 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 it's present in every single aspect of society, unfortunately. But this is, it's like, it's like the, the end of the story was written before anyone saw any of the information. Is it possible that any of these shootings could be um, caused by something other than racism? Well, it certainly seems like it's possible to me, at least as we've understood racism our whole lives. If racism is something that you can actually have a logical pathway to, then this wasn't racism. It was a terrible mistake by a police officer who's already you know, quit and the, her boss has already quit. That doesn't make it any better for the family here. But there is a little bit of realization that needs to happen, which is we need to make sure we're teaching people not to run from police in these situations. And we have to make sure, obviously, quite obviously, you don't pull the wrong weapon when you're firing. Uh, These two things should be really basic, but they both exist together. The media is only talking about one of them. And it's important that both of them are communicated. You know, I've had I've had officer uh, relatives uh, in my life, and these are upstanding people, at least you know, people that I've known. I'm not saying that there are no bad ones. There, are, of course, are. But the people that I've known in the police have been the best people among us, people who are willing to go out and risk their ass every single night to make sure that we're protected. You know, and I understand that these things go wrong sometimes, and it's really sad when they do. This one in particular is so insanely bizarre I don't know how you get to racism on this particular one, but some of them I can understand. I can totally understand why you'd look at the George Floyd thing and think racism. And honestly, it might have been racism. We don't necessarily have, we don't have like racist posts from this guy or anything like that. But I mean, it may very well have been racism in the George Floyd case. That does not mean that you paint every officer uh, with, with, that, with a brush of racism. It's not fair to the officer. It's not fair to the victims. 
it's important to look at these things in a sober manner and decipher them one by one as time goes on. This, this shouldn't be difficult. It really does seem like it is, though. It really does seem like it is. And if you're going to assign yourself, you're going you're gonna to glom on to this sort of white fragility narrative that every white person, every bad thing they do is because of racism, or every good thing they do is because of racism, then you're, you're walking down a path that disconnects the mind from the actual situation. You're, you're turning your brain off. When everything is racist, what is the point of even talking about this stuff? And I, I feel like uh, with this case in particular, we may learn more. It's important to learn than protest in that order. The order is important. Learn than protest. We need to know more about this case. But everything so far points to the fact that this was just a terrible, terrible mistake. And we know that terrible, terrible mistakes happen to white people as well. Now, you might not hear about them, but it happens. It happens often. Um, and these things do go wrong from time to time. I just hope that maybe we can kind of step back and say, you know, is it possible when, when, a, when an interaction like this happens and someone pays with it for, with their lives, is it possible that it's not racism? I think the answer to that is yes. And if you don't agree, I don't think you're connecting your brain to this particular situation. Back in a second. Trying to buy or sell a home in this times can be challenging. Uh, it really can. Uh, that's why you need a real estate agent who is going to come in and take charge. If you need a house painted, uh, who do you talk to? If you need to replace the stairs, oh, well, they've got a guy. Roof repair, no sweat. We know the best people because we're a real estate agent you could trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com has got you covered. Uh, it's Glenn's company. He started this a while ago, of course, and he was you know, very committed to making sure the best possible outcomes came uh, from people's real estate uh, transactions because it's like the biggest transaction you'll ever make in your entire life. You have to make sure it goes smoothly. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check them out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to welcome back to the program, journalist Jason Whitlock. Jason, thanks for stopping in. Good to be here, Stu. You've been uh, censored on the Twitters. Uh, we have the tweet here. Uh, it was posted, Jason Whitlock, of course. Make sure you follow him, at Whitlock Jason, by the way. Uh, Black Lives Matter founder buys $1.4 million home uh, in, what is it, Topanga? Topanga. Um, which has a black population of 1.4%. She's with her people. Now, that is, a, I, first of all, to me, a total, you're a, saying a factual statement. Uh, you're making an observation about that statement, kind of being a little sarcastic. Why would something like that be deleted? Uh, Twitter says that I violated their rules that I've given out sensitive personal information without the approval of the subject. Oh. Uh, the reality is that, uh, you know, Patrice Colors Cons or Patrice Con Colors lives in a uh, protected space. She's part of the BLM LGBTQ plus movement, the mm -hmm. alphabet mafia, <laughs> as I call them. And Twitter protects those, gives them a special level of protection not provided to the rest of us. And I just think Twitter's been looking for an excuse to deplatform me and to spank me. And so I, I'm, I'm just going to sit in Twitter jail for a little while and just do what they do, play the victim. <laughs> so you are in Twitter jail currently. Yes, I'm in Twitter jail. When does this jail. run out? Do we know when your sentence is over? Well, they want me to plea bargain and cop a plea. <laughs> and so they've already removed the tweet. They're demanding that I remove the tweet 
and then that starts the clock on when I can be paroled or meet with the parole board and <laughs> be let out. And so I haven't removed the tweet because it's already been removed and I don't think I did anything wrong. So, you know. It's part I'm, of this principle where you're just saying like, look, I don't want to delete the tweet because there's nothing wrong in the tweet. You're I've looking to a, wrong. seemingly a news story there. Everybody else in the media has written and talked about it. I've done nothing wrong. And so I'm willing to, you know, sit in Twitter jail in solitary confinement. Uh, <laughs> three, three hots and a cop yeah. is what I'm getting right <laughs> Is there any part of you that's like, you know, it's kind of nice to have Twitter out of my life for a little while? That's the other thing. Yeah. To be honest with you, it, it's less time that I'm wasting engulfing negative energy. Yeah. I, that's how I feel a lot of a lot of times about it. It's just, what am I getting out of this? Why do I do it? I, I, I can't come it's up toxic. with a rational reason. Yeah, it's uh, toxic. Yeah. Now we're forced because we're in the media yeah. to do it and participate. But I think all of us that experience it, it it, it brings out the worst in people. People yeah. say things to you they'd never say to you in person. They'd never probably even say to you on the phone on a radio show. But the anonymity of Twitter and just what gets rewarded on Twitter, that kind of toxic negativity and that, you know, and, you know, for for me being black one and then seen as having these conservative views, you expose yourself to a lot of racism Yeah, coming and not not with black on black racism, <laughs> yeah. you know, I get to ingest a lot of that. And so, mm. look, there's a lot of positive Twitter. There's a lot of people on there uh, that are promoting positive, more thoughtful commentary, but they seem to be shouted down by the idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you, you, you phrase that, I think, perfectly, which is there, there's a lot of good content that people are promoting on Twitter. It's not on Twitter per se. It's usually just being linked out. Yeah. And I need to find a better way to get myself to that stuff because there's got to be a way to do it. I you almost use Twitter as like a, a feed just to kind of go through and see the good articles. And you can find good stuff, but it, man, it's a pain. The, the other thing being this suspension, and I've, I've gotten myself off Twitter for extended periods of time. You know, Twitter kind of acts as a news feed to follow the news. Yeah. And being suspended has made me look for news in a different way. Mm. And I'm still able to find the news. And so I, I'm using it like, you know, I'm getting sent to Twitter rehabilitation. I'm going, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going, what do they call it? Cold turkey? Or, yeah, cold yeah. turkey, mm -hmm. uh, no Twitter. And I'm going through withdrawals and shaking <laughs> a little bit. But I'm going to be better on the other side. Yeah, that's great. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Minnesota? I kind of rambled about it uh, in the monologue because I'm, I'm sort of perplexed by this entire story. You know, which uh, one? The, the one, not the newest one. The newest or? one. The, yeah. yeah, sorry, I should be more clear. Um, and that's a that's an unfortunate part of this that they you have to be more clear. Um, but the, the George Floyd thing to me, I mean, look, I, I'm not I'm not a legal expert in Minnesota law, but to me, it looks like murder to me. Like, I think it looks it's such a it seems like an incomprehensible way to deal with that situation. But again, I'm not a, I, I'm not an officer. and I know the law is, can be a fickle thing. This last one, though, seems to be a completely different story where you have a, an officer who is seemingly in a decent interaction, an African-American officer with uh, uh, the, with Wright. Um, and 
then Wright tries to dart into the oh, car. Are you sure there's a black officer involved? The black officer, and, and, and we can show the, maybe we can show the video again here one more time, but the black officer is cuffing him with the, the, the officer that shot uh, him. Is the white woman. Is the white woman. Oh, I saw another white hand come in, okay. an assisting officer. I saw three officers, mm -hmm. I thought. Yes, three. But I thought all three were white. I did not know one of them was black or the officer was covered. But yeah, to but, me, mm -hmm. to me, this looks like normal police involvement, engagement, with particularly with somebody that has a warrant for uh, improperly gun, carrying yep. a gun. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess he's allegedly uh, run away from the police before. Uh, you know, he didn't get pulled over, I don't think, for the air freshener. I thought it was because his tags were expired. Mm -hmm. And so all of it seems normal until he yanks away and tries to avoid getting arrested. And uh, I think the officer made a tragic, indefensible error. I don't think there could be criminal charges. I don't think there's any intent, but I do think like you can't do street work anymore. No, yeah. And perhaps you can't be on the law force on the law enforcement anymore, maybe. But criminality, I don't see. I just see an accident. When you have as many police engagements as police do, accidents are going to happen at some point, and this is a tragic, terrible one. But this is also why you don't resist the police, because you're putting accidents in play, and you have to be responsible for protecting yourself. And so what actions can I take to make sure that an accident doesn't happen, that my uh, behavior isn't misinterpreted and seen as threatening to law enforcement uh, so th that I don't get involved in one of these situations. I don't want to hand over my safety and my life to any government official. Mm. I want to do all I can to be responsible for my own survival. Uh, and Stu, I don't want to get in a big argument with you, but I've been following a little bit of the Chauvin, mm -hmm. George Floyd trial. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was murder. I do mm. think it was criminal in some respect, mm -hmm. but murder, I'm not so sure. I think that jury's gonna be put in a very tough spot. Mm -hmm. I don't think the prosecution has gone well. I don't like uh, lynch mob verdicts where people are basically saying, if you don't reach X, Y, or Z verdict, we're gonna burn down the city. That sounds like <laughs> That is what it is, though. Yeah. I mean, that's where we are. Yeah, I, it I, sounds like To Kill a Mockingbird with the characters with different colors. I kind of feel like if the, if the jury says, uh, we find the defendant not guilty, uh, the judge will say, okay, we heard guilty. Thank you very much. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, the word guilty was spoken. Because I don't, th you know, it's just... It's going to be hard. I, I can't imagine. I don't. I don't know how he's going to, you know, get off on this. And and like, I, look, I think you're right. Murder kind of gives you that sense of like this predetermined thing. I, I, it's hard to make that argument to me. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that he. I don't see why. I don't even see how race is involved yeah, in the Chauvin deal at all. I don't think he was motivated by race. I, I think that. Uh, once again, you have to be responsible for your own safety. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things George Floyd did that escalated this deal. You just, again, you've been arrested before. Just get in the back of the car and go to jail and go through the process. It's not yeah. your first rodeo. You can try to fight it later. Yes. Uh, but should Chauvin, but, it, but there's just a lot of issues. I, yeah. I don't think the crowd surrounding the police 
helped in no. any way, yeah, and they true. won't take any responsibility for distracting, motivating. And again, I, I again, I, I'm not trying to exonerate Chauvin. I am trying to exonerate him of potentially murder because there's some intent there. Mm -hmm. But involuntary manslaughter or something like that is a possibility for me. But I think this case is far more complicated than the media is portraying. Uh, the media is race baiting and trying to promote as much racial division as possible. And it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, it's satanic in, in my view. Hmm. I, you know, you're one of the most prominent cultural commentators on issues of race, certainly with sports, but yep. all, of all matters in the country. Um, and as an African-American, um, you have a perspective that I don't have. I mean, I'm like the whitest guy in the world and I grew up in Connecticut, so what do I know? Uh, but I will say that like, there is this conversation about the talk, right? Every African-American parent has to have a talk with their kids to tell them they have to be behaved around police officers or the evil white police are going to kill him or, or her. And, you know, I keep coming back to the idea that I have some version of that talk, but my version of that talk is different. It's like, hey, the police are doing a great job. They're, they're risking their lives for you every day. You better treat them with respect every single time you interact with them. It's kind of the same talk, but there's an underlying uh, current that's different. Well, the media is creating this belief that somehow black parents have to engage with their kids in a way that white parents don't. Mm. And so what perhaps your parents say to you, uh, or you say to your kids, that has nothing to do with the police, just has to do with, hey, take responsibility for your own safety and survival mm. in all endeavors. That means don't get in your car drunk, because now yeah. you're elevating the risk of you harming yourself or hurting someone else. Don't argue with a person that has a gun that's been authorized by the government to use that gun. Don't argue with that person. Just comply. And so I think all parents, any responsible parent, should have the talk with their kid about who's primarily responsible for their survival. And it's the person standing in the mirror. If you want some government official who doesn't know you, who has been trained to make sure they protect themselves first. Because again, that policeman has a narrative. Well, there's plenty of videos of police getting killed yeah. just this week mm -hmm. or within the last seven days. And so that guy or woman is trying to protect him, or his or herself. And you, as someone engaging with the police, should try to protect yourself. And the easiest way to protect yourself is to comply. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, and that's your responsibility, whether white, black, or whatever, because there's plenty of videos, but no one's interested in it. In white people being harmed by the cops when they don't comply, or sometimes even when they do comply. There's a video of, the, of a guy. I've, is it Arizona, I think? Executed basically in a hotel on his knees, white guy, that complied with every instruction. Hmm. And a white police officer assassinated him in cold blood. It's the most vile thing I've seen. It's, to me, it's worse than George Floyd. Hmm. And the officer got off. Nothing happened. And so, wow. listen, these issues are so complicated. And Stu, I just want to add, I've said it before, I do come at these from a different perspective. 
I really don't think it's because of my race. I think it's because I buried a cousin who I helped raise, who I helped raise and love this dude. But I had to bury him. He got killed by police in Indianapolis in 2012. We believe wrongly. He was basically electrocuted in the rain with taser guns in police misconduct. Mm. So I don't come at these with no sympathy. His background, a lot like George Floyd, not not as much drug use, but a par on parole. Uh, so these issues are personal to me. I look at a lot of other people from uh, Patrice Cullors Khan and the Alphabet Mafia and the people sitting on TV. This is just a gimmick and a game for them. Yeah. For those of us that it's actually real and have actually buried people, it's not a game and we're like looking for real solutions and a real conversation. That's why I, hats off to Tamir Rice and his mother for finally calling the BLM crowd out that they're hustling and making money and buying homes all across the country and signing movie deals with Warner Brothers and Netflix and everybody else. Everybody's making money off this. Yeah. And it's a gimmick in a game and it's a hustle. It's not something real and tangible. And just because you're white doesn't mean you can't see it. Maybe it's harder for you to express because of the blowback and you'll get called racist <laughs> for saying the truth. But, but I'm just sorry, I would say to all Christians, regardless of color, stand on truth. Stand on truth and take the blowback. It's the only way to stop the blowback. One more minute here and until we, and this is probably too hard a question for one minute, but yep. I'll throw it at you anyway. How much of this is this elevation in our culture generally of victimization? Where that, that is now like the throne you want to sit on is the biggest victim. That's different than old school America, I feel. It's certainly different. And I think it speaks to our disconnect from being a faith-based society, culture, to uh, now, I, I look at a lot of people on the left and they have a God complex. Mm. And they want to be Jesus. And they can't be. And, uh, you know, everybody want, it's like, now all of a sudden George Floyd is Jesus and he's died on a cross. Well, no, he hasn't. I actually, and a lot of us actually, you know, can differentiate between resisting criminal suspects and Jesus who sacrificed for all of us. Um, I, I just, I think the whole victimhood thing is just an anti-God movement. Mm. There you go, Jason Whitlock, of course, uh, make sure, I, and I, Guess should I tell people to follow you on Twitter? I don't. <laughs> I mean, he's in prison. Why not? Right now. I'm yeah. growing. It has helped me grow followers. So <laughs> write him in prison uh, at Whitlock Jason. Uh, Jason Whitlock, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Stu. All right, back in a second. Now you may not know this, but one of the smartest things you can do uh, when you're running a country is to govern by round number. You don't pick the amount of money you need. You just keep it either at a round number or a little bit below. Like you want to say, oh, we're at $1.9 trillion. It, that has nothing to do with needing $1.9 trillion. You're just trying to keep it below the round number. Uh, we've seen this over and over again in the budget sort of sense. Uh, he, today, though, we have war. War now being governed by round number. Thank you so much, Joe Biden, who is saying that we are going to withdraw all U.S. forces from Afghanistan by September 11th, 2021. Now, if you're smart, you're going to figure out that that's 20 years to the day. 
of the September 11 attacks. Look, we've been there for a long time. I think we all understand that. We all uh, realize that we're, what we're doing there is sort of this half management thing. Obviously, we're not at the point where tons and tons of troops are dying, so that's really good. I'd rather have a long war that does not have a lot of uh, US fatalities than the opposite, a short one with lots of them. Uh, so I'm not necessarily as offended um, as some are by the actual length of the war. I'm much more offended by the amount of deaths in the war. Just my own personal preference. That's the thing I, I, I prioritize. But 20 years is a long freaking time and I understand wanting to get out. I will say there's a really good chance that when we pull out, the Taliban is going to take over in Afghanistan. This is almost like something we're, we're admitting at this point. We're negotiating with the Taliban. We're, we're pushing this down the road, and that's probably what's going to happen. And it's sort of an insult to not, every, not only everybody who died on September 11th, but everybody who fought in the region to have this happen 20 years later on the anniversary. I don't know. I mean, we need to talk to Jason Buttrell later this week about this because uh, he fought. He was there. Uh, in in Afghanistan fighting that war 20 years ago now. I mean, he looks like it's, you know, if you look at him, it looks like more like 30 or 40 years, frankly. Uh, but I would love to get his perspective on this because I got to say, it's really, it's, you never expect anything to go well. If you're a pessimist, you don't expect things to go well. But the fact that the end of the story is 20 years later, we're giving the country back to the Taliban is, is it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Uh, there's a 15, 15 page story in the New York Times today about Andrew Cuomo's white knuckle ride. Uh, now you might say, wow, well, the, you know, that's a lot of words about uh, Cuomo scandals. Eh, not really. They, you know, they reference it a few times, but generally speaking, it's just about what a great governor he is. I don't know how this thing popped in here. I will say this. The Times has been very good, generally speaking, on the Andrew Cuomo thing within the past few months. I don't know if they're paying penance for their terrible actions recently, uh, but they're uh, they're just praising him, basically. Uh, the Johnson and Johnson thing is something I want to get into. We need more time than this, though. Maybe tomorrow. Let's try to do this tomorrow. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine. What does it really mean? I've had people asking me about it around here um, because they know I follow all this nonsense. Basically, we're talking about an incredibly rare side effect. Uh, they're pausing the vaccine for the time being. If you've already had the vaccine, I know I have, I have some friends who have had it. There's nothing to, to worry about, um, but they, uh, they, they are pausing, looking at particular a couple of demographics, young women um, specifically. But again, even if, you've, if you are a young woman, uh, and I know all the young ladies like this show. Uh, but uh, you don't have to worry about anything at the point. We'll, we'll talk to you about it in a minute, but I would expect it to be back uh, in, uh, in the, in this, the uh, supply, the vaccine supply, relatively soon. Hawaii, though, is going to allow uh, some nurses to per perform abortions. Uh, this is, again... <laughs> And hey, look, nurses are very talented medical professionals. Um, I don't, of course, if you're doing this, I don't know how that's a medical, you know, I don't understand any of that. As you know, I'm a very, very pro-life. I would say, though, I, I don't, I mean, I, eventually, I think we just keep going. Why? I mean, first of all, the job is just killing something. So anybody could do that. I mean, really, you could have the, you know, the janitor come in and, and perform those things, I would think. But we'll, uh, we'll have to find out if, if, if uh, any, uh, sanitary or, uh, officials are able to actually perform these procedures. I'm not sure at this point it's just nurses, but maybe they'll change that back in a second.
So you're standing in a wine aisle staring at the shelves. Do you want a California red? Maybe one from Oregon. What about that Nebraska red wine? I don't know. Do they have wine in Nebraska? I don't know. Maybe you're selecting by the really fancy label. That's a terrible decision. That's just you're just picking the marketing there, right? That's why you need First Leaf. First Leaf is a better way to discover wine. My wife loves wine. She gets a shift in with First Leaf all the time. It's a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. With First Leaf, each wine shipment is entirely customized to you. You know, your palate, your preferences. Unlike big box wine memberships, uh, First Leaf uses a one-of-a-kind algorithm. Uh, and they will take your feedback and your what you like about wine and curate specific bottles. So you, you get a nice box. It's got a bunch of wine in there. Uh, you're going to save like 60% off retail. Uh, you can take your favorites, buy them again from First Leaf. You can save time. You can save money. You can save stress with First Leaf. The wine club designed with you in mind. You're going to join today and get six bottles of wine for $29.95. I mean, you're not going to beat that anywhere. Six bottles of good wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Six bottles of wine, $29.95, free shipping. We all need alcohol right now. Um, at least most of us do. $29.95 for six bottles of wine is a great deal. Free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Jason Whitlock was great today. Uh, other than that, this show's kind of sucked. I've basically been terrible. Why? Because I'm training. I'm training for this Friday night, April 16th, 9 p.m. Eastern, directly after this show. You're going to want to head over to the Studas America YouTube channel for the Studas America 250th Anniversary Power Hour. I'm very excited to be joined this time by Sarah Gonzalez from the News and Why It Matters. And, of course, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube. Go over there and subscribe. Also have Chad Prather from Blaze TV and Jason Buttrell back again. And joining us for the first time, Spencer Corson, author of the upcoming book, The Safety Trap, A Security Expert's Secrets for Staying Safe in a Dangerous World. Step number one. Don't do power hours. Not a way to stay safe. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you don't remember, a power hour is a one is one single shot of beer every minute for 60 minutes. And then we attempt to talk coherent politics for the rest of the hour. Uh, it is not easy. We're going to try. It, I, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Uh, it, it messes you up. Trust me. Uh, and you can play along at home. You're going to need, I think, seven and a half beers in an hour. So, uh, but I want you to uh, do this at your house if you're if you're fun, and uh, get, send us pictures, send us videos of you trying to get through it. I will tell you, it's more difficult than you remember from maybe your college days. Uh, again, this Friday, head to my YouTube channel, Stu Does America, right after this program. Get ready for the madness. It's the Stu Does America 250th episode anniversary power hour. We'll see you then. So there's a uh, French town uh, called Ville de Bici. It's a small town in France, 5,000 people. You know, it has kind of a, a swear sounding word in it, but it's just, you know, it's the name of the town. Well, Facebook uh, decided they were going to pull the <laughs> <laughs> pull the page off of Facebook because it broke their terms of services. Um, they said it was no longer uh, in, uh, it was in violation of the conditions applying to Facebook pages. Um, <laughs> I don't think necessarily uh, that this is the, uh, the way, I mean, I'm not surprised with Zuckerberg, I suppose, at this point. Um, you know, look, you, you, you get banned from Facebook. The good thing is you don't have to deal with Facebook anymore. That's always positive. But for this poor town in France, life's a beach. Event.